Hey there, and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass podcast with me, Brett Hawes. And today uh, we are going to dive into some muddy waters, but a very interesting topic. And that's exactly why I've chosen to talk about it. Uh, but not just interesting, also extremely popular. And in addition to that popularity, uh, there has also been there have been some very uh, serious questions that have been raised. Um, I've had a ton of people um, speak to me about this and ask me questions. Uh, so yeah, I figured it would be a good um, topic to explore. And what when I say explore. Um, I really want to be very upfront with this. I'm I'm not for or against the ketogenic diet. All right, I, I sort of sit on the fence with it. Um, there are things that I love about it, and there are things that are a little bit concerning for me. And that's what we're going to really dive into today and, and unpack. So, um, where do we start? Right, lots of different angles here. I guess let's start off with sketching out what the ketogenic diet actually is and and what ketosis really is. So the ketogenic diet, uh, simply put, is it's a diet that is mostly fat with moderate amounts of protein and low to no carbohydrates. Okay, so super high fat, moderate protein, very low carbohydrate. Now that's going to be it's going to differ, you know, from person to person and who you might speak to. Some people put the percentage of fat at 80%, some put it at 70%. Um some people put the carbs at 5% and some at 0. Now obviously it's impossible to avoid all carbohydrates. Okay? And I'll get into that in just a little bit. So, uh why would we want to consume crazy high amounts of fat? All right, so if we back up a step a little bit and dive into biology here, your body was designed to run on two types of fuel. And the two types are glucose, right, or you know, coming from carbohydrates, or ketones. Uh, there are three different ketones, but essentially, and I, you know, I, just to interject here, interject with myself for a minute, um, I, I want to try and keep this as simple as possible because it is in a podcast format. So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole with all sorts of crazy science and whatnot, but um, there's three different ketones and these ketones are essentially um, end products of fat metabolism. Right, simply put. So what I mean by that is when we, uh, with, a keto, with a ketogenic diet, we're essentially switching from burning carbohydrates to burning fat for energy. Okay, that's really the take-home message here. And when we say we burn fat, quote-unquote, for energy, what we're really saying is we are burning ketones for energy. All right? Now, uh, why would we want to do that? Um, and is that you know, is that correct? Like, is is that the right thing to do? So, um, to back up a step again, uh, the why do we have these two mechanisms at work? Why do they even exist in the body? And the simple answer is this. Uh, and again, like throughout this episode, I'm sure that there's controversy. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of you who don't agree with some of the things. Uh, I, I I don't know every single detail, so uh, I do leave myself wide open on this podcast, and uh, I want to hear your feedback as well. So why? Uh, how did this come about, and why 
is it that we can burn fat? If you think about it logically and also biologically, when we talk about consuming carbohydrates, carbohydrates give us nice quick energy. Um, you know, when we eat carbs, they are easier to metabolize. And what I mean by that is easier to digest. Uh, when our blood sugar goes up, insulin goes up, we burn it in our cells, and then blood sugar goes back down. Now, when blood sugar goes down and we go into a fasting state, I want you to think about this logically. If we, if I was in a fasting state and let's say, let's say I didn't eat for I don't know, a day or two days. It's not like your blood sugar just keeps dropping, 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 and eventually just, you know, bottoms out. If that happened, you would you would fall over and you would pass out. Uh, that is what would happen. So we have these fail-safe mechanisms whereby the body will say, look, if I'm not getting carbohydrates in, I need another fuel source and I'm going to switch over to fat because guess what? My body has fat stores, Right. So if you think about, you know, let's just say Paleolithic times or hunter-gatherer times or, or even before that, if I was a nomad and I was cruising around and, you know, let's just say I, I killed an animal, I ate that animal, and then for four days afterwards, I didn't eat again. The, it's not like the body's burning that fuel, right? So what it does is it says, hey, I need, I need to make sure I can tap into the body's reserves, and that's where fat comes in, right? So we can burn glucose or we can burn ketones. And it's a fail-safe biological mechanism to prevent starvation, right? That's that's the best way I can put it. So why is it that we are now recommending that people go on sky-high fat, right? And perhaps a better question to ask is, is this the default diet? I did a great podcast with Professor Tim Noakes, which is all about the Banting diet and the high-fat diet. And one of the things that he said to me, which I, I'm, I don't necessarily agree with 100%, he claims that we, before, right? So if you look at our evolution, we actually ate all of the fat animals. That was our default diet. So we ate all of the fat. We were traditionally a high-fat um, protein, low carb, uh, you know, species, if you will, and then throughout evolution, what happened was we killed off all of the fat animals, and the animals that were left were uh, essentially animals that didn't have a lot of fat. So if you look at your buck, um, even if you you know if you actually look at cows and domesticated animals, there's yes, there's lots of fat, um, but we also have plants, right? So he sort of, in his take anyway. We then evolved and we had to look for alternative fuel sources and that's where carbohydrates came in. I tend to sort of disagree with that somewhat. And the reason why I say that is there's a difference here between a ketogenic diet and a high-fat diet. And I want to I just sort of get that out there from the get-go. A ketogenic diet means that I'm actually in a state of ketosis. It means that I am burning ketones for energy and that is my primary fuel source. A high-fat diet, on the other hand, means that I might sometimes be burning fats, but I'm restricting my carbohydrates, and that is really... So, so it's a high-fat, low-carb diet or low-to-moderate-carbohydrate diet. And that side of things I can get into. Right? I can definitely get into a high-fat, low-carb scenario. Um, but, you know, when you look at hunter-gatherer diets today, and there's, there's quite extensive research on the Hadzas, which are from Tanzania. They're actually the last remaining true hunter-gatherer tribes. And if you also look at the Amazon, 
right, so the lost tribes of the Amazon, uh, they've done analyses, particularly on the Hadza, right? And what they found is that their diet, when you break it all down, is actually 70% carbohydrate. But there's a lot of fasting going on, right? And not by choice. You know, you hunt an animal and next thing it takes two weeks to to hunt another one. Um, it, it, it changes. So there's intermittent fasting and it also changes with the season and with migratory patterns. So at some points in the year, their diet is very high in fat. And at other points in the year, their diet is more rich in fruits. You know, if berries are... are um, are blooming or, or sorry are fruiting um and so on then you're going to eat those and the berries then disappear and you're off to the next thing but the type of carbohydrates that they're eating are not grain-based carbohydrates all right so it's more roots uh tubers um fruits to some degree and then and vegetables and that right so that is where the bulk of the carbohydrates are coming from so the question once again is 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 a ketogenic diet the default diet? Now, one place where it would have been the ketogenic diet, and I say would have been, I'm sure that there are still some areas where that might be the case, uh, would be up in the Arctic, right? So with the Inuit, where for many months on end, and dare I say year round, uh, there are no fresh fruits and vegetables and so on growing because it's freezing cold so for them they are in fact eating things like whale blubber seal and and the like uh, which is 100% high fat um, you know I would I would venture out and say ketogenic diet so that's the only place where I could really see uh, that type of diet happening uh, incidentally, the Inuits before the introduction of a lot of modern food they didn't have the diseases that they have now Right, and that actually holds true for many other indigenous cultures. So, uh, when the other question that comes up is, is it sustainable? And and I'll I'll get into the sustainability side of things. So, in the short term, right, it works for a lot of people. That's exactly why it's so popular. And there are definitely some pros and cons to the situation. Some things that we need to discuss, and I will get there uh, in just a minute. But. Um, you know, so is it sustainable in the long run? And uh, how does one actually do a ketogenic diet properly? Because most people are actually not doing it correctly, to, to be frank. Or maybe we don't want to say not correctly, but maybe we would say they're doing dirty keto versus clean keto. And I'll, I'll unpack that in just a minute. All right, so why do I say that most people are doing the keto diet wrong, quote unquote? Uh, the reason is this, is that when most people start a ketogenic diet, it is essentially license and free reign to eat all the meat that you want, right? So you even see keto experts, quote unquote, that are simply saying, hey, now we're eating bacon and eggs for breakfast, we're eating steaks, we're eating chicken, just just go for it, right? And there are many, many problems that come with that. And I'm going to get into some of those problems uh, in just a bit. Uh, the thing that people usually forget about is uh, are fats, right? So other types of fats. So people forget about things like coconut oil. Uh, we forget about other plant-based fats. We forget about vegetables, right? So now all of a sudden we're not eating any vegetables at all. Or if we are eating vegetables, the vegetables make up a very, very small portion 
of our plate and the meat makes up a very large portion of the plate. And again, I'm going to get into some of the pros and cons, particularly the cons in, in just a second. So just bear with me here. So that's typically what people do, right? So lots of meat, uh, very little vegetables um, and plant-based fats and off we go. And that's the diet, right? Now, when we, when we let, let's talk about the pros um, before we really sort of dissect all of this. The main reason why people are going on the ketogenic diet is for weight loss, right? And there is definitely some validity to that with a couple of caveats along the way. So does the keto diet promote weight loss? Uh, My short answer to that is initially, yes. And I say initially, right? How does it promote weight loss? Uh, We got to back up a step to our discussion earlier on carbohydrates and fats for energy, right? That's really where the answer to that question lies. So if I'm consuming lots of carbohydrates, okay, which is very typical of a standard diet, and again, I'm not talking about vegetables and fruits and, and roots and whatever, like the Hudza's, we're consuming lots of refined grains, baked goods, breads, pastas, sweets, and so on and so on, all right? Um, soda and pop. So when we're consuming lots of those foods and we are also sedentary, here's what happens, right? When I eat carbohydrates, I burn them for energy, yes. But if I only have so much energy to burn, I sit with a bank of carbohydrates, if you will, right? So in other words, I sit with all of this excess carbohydrate that under on the one hand will get stored in the liver as glucose, sorry, as glycogen. Okay, so glycogen stores. Yes, we store in the muscle as well, but it's a little bit complicated. But there's a finite capacity for storage of glycogen in the body. So what happens next is I am left with all of this excess carbohydrate. That excess carbohydrate, right, together with increased insulin levels will promote fat storage, right? And I'm going to say, for lack of a better word, they will be converted to fat, Okay, so one thing you got to remember with carbohydrates, excess carbs will be converted to fat, but, but insulin, right? Anytime you eat carbohydrates, insulin goes up and promotes fat storage, right? So insulin is your fat storage hormone. So the way that the ketogenic diet works is we restrict carbohydrates. And when I tell the body to switch to burning fats only, right, i.e. now for my food, What I'm actually saying to my body is, here's how to remember to burn fats. Because think about it like this. I'm eating carbs, carbs, carbs. My body's well-trained to eating carbs, but I'm sitting with all of this fat storage as a result from the carbs. And my body has forgotten how to burn fats because I keep telling it to burn carbs. So what happens now is if we switch that over and we say, hey, body, here's how to burn fats properly. It says, I'm going to burn the fats from my food but I'm also gonna burn the fat that I have stored in my body. And this is why when you double down and you do a ketogenic diet with with intermittent fasting, where we're going for windows of not eating, that is really where people are having the most success, I will say, with getting this sort of rapid weight loss. Okay, so that's one of the main reasons why in this time, in this modern time, people are doing the ketogenic diet. But there are definitely other uh, conditions, right? The ketogenic diet was actually originally developed as a medical diet for epilepsy. 
Okay, I think that was uh, back in 1921, if I'm not mistaken. So that was actually where it sort of came from. And then doctors, some of them were actually recommending ketogenic diets for diabetes back in the day. And so we're finding that modern uh, medicine is now looking at these conditions again, particularly type 2 diabetes. Uh, We're looking at some autoimmune conditions, uh, particularly the neurodegenerative ones like MS. Uh, We're also looking at things like Parkinson's, um, Alzheimer's, and so on. And that's really where a lot of the sort of um, the, the pro research is uh, centered on. A lot of people are experiencing uh, noticeable improvements in cognition, uh, so brain function, mental focus, uh, and so on. Because your brain uh, will run on on glucose and ketones as well, right? It's actually one of the organs. And again, the debate rages on. It's one of the organs of the body that really requires a lot of energy. And some people have said, well, you know, carbs are best. Um, But again, you know, some of the newer research is saying, hey, we're well suited to burning carbs and fats uh, for fuel for the brain. All right, so that's where the pros are lying. And again, most people are really looking at this from a weight loss perspective. So what are the cons? Right. So what are the cons? That, that, that's really um, where I want to spend a good chunk of time here because, yes, you will lose weight. For most people, you will lose weight, you will feel sharper, you will feel clearer, um, but there are some things that I want you to think about. All right, so let's hop into some of the cons here. Okay, as I said before, this diet typically lends itself to being very, very meat-heavy. Okay, and now again, some people would probably disagree with some of the things I might be saying, but uh, few can argue that meats are in fact acidifying. Okay, so that's one point to mention. The body, uh, generally speaking, the body prefers to be slightly alkaline. So if we're eating lots and lots of meats and I'm not eating enough vegetables, the diet then becomes overly acidifying and that comes with a whole host of problems, right? Depending on the person. Uh, the other thing which is uh, really important for me is if we're going high fat, we typically tend to then also be low in fiber, right? So low in fiber. Um, fiber has many, many roles in the body, okay? Obviously, we know the, the plain obvious ones here, which is to sort of keep the bowels moving. Um, it can absorb toxins. It can help to balance out our cholesterol levels by flushing cholesterol out. It also helps to bind up hormones in the gut and flush them out. But one of the important functions of fiber is to actually feed the gut microbiome. All right, so the gut microbiome is a, a bacteria, that bacterial colony in our gut that is really linked with our entire body, right? So I don't want to get too far into the microbiome here, but suffice to say that it's an integral part of the immune system, strong links to um, mental health and brain function. Uh, it is you know, a regulator of inflammation, and the list goes on and on and on. So the microbiome really needs to be fed with fiber. Okay, That's what the probiotics in your gut, the good bacteria, they actually feed on fiber, and then they produce nutrients for us. So that's probably one of the bigger issues. And I recently published a blog article where scientists have discovered that your gut microbiome can change in accordance with a dietary change in as little as 24 hours. And they showed that a high animal diet 
tended to change it in not so favorable ways. So I now wonder to myself, what happens if I just keep going um, on this keto diet forever and ever and ever, right? And I'll talk about sustainability in, in just a minute. So um, that's one big point for me here is low fiber and what happens to the gut microbiome. Now, there's also some other people that have sort of sounded the alarm, and, and I might botch this, but where uh, pathogens and bacteria in the gut can actually move from the gut into the bloodstream um, on a high-fat diet, okay, or in a ketogenic state. Again, this, you know, none of this stuff is going to happen in everyone, um, but these are just points worth uh, mentioning here. Uh, another thing that is also worth mentioning is constitutional types, right? So in Ayurvedic medicine, we have different constitutional types uh, that are composed essentially of the elements of the earth, all right, so I'll just speak to Ayurveda because I know it uh, much better than I do Chinese medicine. But in Ayurveda, we have a constitutional type called Pitta. And Pitta is characterized by high fire and water. Okay, so th th those are the primary elements of Pitta is fire and water. And with uh, fire, right, li like, like aggravates like in that sense. So if my fire is really high and I add more fat to it, you're essentially adding oil onto a fire, okay? which is obviously going to make the fire go out of control. So what might happen in certain individuals who, of that constitution is your heat element starts rising higher and higher and higher, uh, which essentially promotes inflammation. Okay, That's one of the things it does. It promotes inflammation. Uh, we feel like we might be burning up. Uh, we feel like we're just running a little hot. And along with that also comes more of aggressive tendencies, um, irritability, and so on and so on. So for those individuals, that might not necessarily be um, the best way forward. Now, coming back onto the diets uh, specifically, a lot of people who do keto, again, the you know high meat, you know, again, lots and lots of meat, um, they inadvertently tend to go very high protein. Okay, so now the protein count goes up, 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 up. And obviously, we know that too much protein is not a good scene as well. You know, too much protein uh, can really place extra an extra burden on the liver, on the kidneys. And um, again, also contributes to that acidifying effect that we spoke about earlier. Okay, now to go a little bit further here into all of this and, um, you know, again, not go down the rabbit hole, but something to think about. Animal fats, uh, if you look at the composition, and of course, this is going to vary from animal to animal, from region to region. Okay, so just bear with me here. Uh, animal fats do have something called arachidonic acid. Right? So arachidonic acid is a, a long-chain fatty acid that's found in meats, and it does promote inflammation. Okay, so particularly we find it in dairy. Um, and and meats as a whole, but dairy ha actually has quite a bit of arachidonic acid. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the whole inflammatory pathway and uh, pathways and all of that, especially in an audio meeting um, medium here. It's very difficult for me to really map that out for you so that you truly understand it. But one of the things that I have always suspected with a ketogenic diet is could it become pro-inflammatory in the long run? Okay, and again, I'm probably going to get shot down for that statement by some of you, but whatever. Now, the reason why people are experiencing low inflammation on a keto diet, 
right? So a lot of people are saying, hey, my pain, my inflammation has gone down initially. The reason why is because for a lot of people, grains and beans actually promote inflammation in their body, right? They are sensitive to compounds called lectins in the grains, and those lectins can attach to body tissue and cause localized inflammation, in some individuals, even systemic inflammation. So that's why a lot of people are reporting uh, an anti-inflammatory effect from the ketogenic diet. Okay, but my my concern is not so much in the short term. My concern is more in the long run for certain individuals. All right, could this acidifying, high arachidonic acid diet actually promote inflammation in the long run? And to be quite frank, I mean, if you know, I, I'll open it up to comments um, on both Facebook and on the on the web page. And I would uh, I, I would love to you know, if you have any research on that, um, please feel free to share that uh, with me. Right, so. Um, let's let's again get a little sciencey here for a minute. Uh, insulin, just coming circling back a little bit here, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna speak specifically now about weight loss and weight gain, but with women. Now, as we said earlier, uh, insulin tends to be the hormone that promotes fat storage. But there is another hormone that promotes fat burning, right? So it's not actually insulin on its own. Uh, There's another hormone called leptin, right? And some of the new research is actually showing that leptin might be the hormone that regulates metabolism in women, right? I'm talking like the master hormone that regulates metabolism. So when leptin is high, we burn fat. Yeah, which is great. So we want leptin to be high. We want insulin to be low, which a keto keto diet does fantastically well. And then we want leptin to be high, right? So insulin low, leptin high, and now we're really in fat-burning mode. So initially on a ketogenic diet, because insulin drops, I'm now in fat-burning mode. But here's the caveat to all of this, is studies have shown that long-term, right? So long-term, Uh, the ketogenic diet will actually start to shut down leptin production. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. The ketogenic diet will start to shut down leptin production. So it will decrease your hormone levels. And when you, so so hopefully that makes sense, right? It will decrease leptin, which now means that, hey, I'm gravitating back into fat storage mode no matter what I eat. Okay, and that could have potentially long-lasting effects. So now I want to, sort of double down on that point and and couple this with something else that the dropout rate for people on the ketogenic diet is extremely high right i don't think that it's a sustainable diet at all yes there are the diamonds in the rough there are people out there that have been doing it for 10 years but that is not the norm all right for most people it's an extremely difficult diet to adhere to you cannot flip-flop either Right, so it doesn't help if you're in ketosis for two days a week, and then I'm going out on the weekend and you know having beers and pizza and whatever, and then Monday I'm back at it. It does not work like that. You're either in or you're out. It's it's a it's a black and white situation here. So for a lot of people, they get on the keto diet, they have these um, you know these results, they lose ten or fifteen pounds, and then they keep going. And what happens is their leptin levels start to go down. They start to get crazy cravings obviously for carbohydrates usually so we start eating more fat and more protein which doesn't really satisfy us but then what happens is when we go off that right so when we go off the keto diet we say hey you know what i lost my 20 pounds i'm good 
now there's a rebound effect. Okay, for some people, the rebound effect, you will actually put on more weight than when you started. And part of that has to do with the low leptin production. Okay, so that's something that's fairly um, new in a sense and not very well understood. Uh, but again, I'm here to uh, present to you both sides of the argument here. Okay, I, I kind of sit on, on the fence, as I said in the, in the beginning. Now, in addition to that, um, there is something called the keto flu. Okay, so usually anywhere from one to four weeks in, uh, you are in ketosis and all of a sudden you get this nasty flu that will last anywhere from one to four days. And it's exactly like you have the flu, right? So headaches, um, joint pains. Uh, I don't know if you have a fever, but it sure feels like it. And then we have um, constipation, concentration problems, and so on and so on. So that's a pretty unpleasant side effect, which often again causes people to throw in the towel. So now we're flip-flopping uh, back and forth once again. Um the other thing that's important to mention here is nutrient deficiencies, okay? So when we're not eating a varied and balanced diet, we set ourselves up for nutrient deficiencies. Um, one of the nutrients, quote, uh, that we discussed earlier is fiber, right? But things like calcium, uh, B1, B6, vitamin A, okay, these are all fairly um, well known. There is, there is literature on this uh, to actually show that these do become deficient. So again, my question is not so much short-term. My question is long-term sustainability here. Now, what's interesting is the government um, in the U.S. actually has done studies on weight loss, right? So these meta-analyses. And they've looked at people who have lost 28 pounds or more of weight and have managed to keep it off for one year or more. Okay, so they looked at that group, they looked at that population. And would you know that less than 1% of those people actually lost their weight on a ketogenic diet? Okay, so I'm gonna say that again. They looked at that population that lost 28 pounds, right, and then they managed to keep it off for a year or more, and less than 1% of that population had followed a ketogenic diet. That says to me, two things. Well, one thing particularly, do you have to do a ketogenic diet to lose weight? Right? Is that what we have to do? And, and I tend to say no. I mean, obviously not. Many of you listening out there have probably, you know, lost weight. You've, you've tried different things and you're actually making dietary changes and lifestyle changes and mindset changes to actually lose the weight. Okay, I've had people that have gone vegetarian and vegan and lost weight. I've had people that have gone onto a paleo diet and lost weight. High fat, low carb, lost weight. Keto, lost weight. But I think that what we need to be looking at here and the question we need, really need to be asking ourselves is what do we do long term? Okay, so for me personally, with the knowledge that I have and the information that I have on the ketogenic diet, I am I'm not convinced that it's a long term solution. And the concerns that I raised, especially with leptin hormone and women, I am concerned about what the rebound effects are and the knock-on effects. Okay, the gut microbiome situation. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat. Um, yes, I'm concerned, but I'm also less concerned because the diet will, the, the microbiome will change back. It will revert to its original self, if you will, uh, if you go off the ketogenic diet. Okay, so again, that was in a blog article that um, I published uh, a few weeks back now. So what should we do? Right, what should we do? And I hope that 
this is at least given you a little bit more of a balanced perspective on the the ketogenic diet and it's really you know my intention with this podcast was really just to give you a sort of overview i have coming up in a few weeks, um, I have a, a, a brilliant man by the name of Frederick Lefroy, and uh, we will probably start getting into some of this, perhaps not keto, but definitely high fat, um, low carb. We're going to talk about some of that uh, coming up in a few weeks. But I think for now, um, if you really want to experiment with this, I would probably say to you, Try and go start off with a higher fat, but more important, an emphasis placed here on a lower carbohydrate diet. Okay, if you can just cut the carbs back and avoid the sugary stuff, the breads, the pastries, the whatnots, and get your carbohydrates more from vegetables, more from fruits, those vegetables and fruits have fiber, right? Okay, and that fiber feeds the microbiome, all of the health benefits that come with fiber. They're alkalinizing, they've got all of the nutrients, right? They're typically anti inflammatory for many of them. So I think if you go, if you switch the type of carbohydrates and then increase the fats. So I have no problems with meats. I have, I do have some problems with dairy, but whatever, we won't get into it here. I don't have a problem necessarily with the meat side of things. I just think that overdoing it might be, might be the problem. And I, the thing that I would encourage you to do if you do want to increase the fats is also look to um, things like avocados, things like nuts and seeds, um, coconut oil, you know, so more of the plant-based fats because the plant-based fats don't have the arachidonic acid, okay? They're not going to promote inflammation in the same way, dare I say at all, that the animal fats will promote. So a combination of good fats, right? A combination of animal fats together with plant-based fats in sufficient amounts. Uh, don't forget your omega-3s, right? So fish, cold water fish, and so on. Eggs, right? So those things, I think, if we're going to go keto, those should really be front and center. And then also, of course, fruits, vegetables, and so on, front and center. And that's not really, you might not get into a state of ketosis, but what you will start to do is you will start to regulate your insulin levels better, which means now my fat storage hormone is going to go down, but you're not going to screw up your leptin levels at the same time. And you're still going to feed your microbiome. You're still going to keep the inflammation down. It's a little bit more balanced, which will lend itself to um, uh, really, I don't want to say all, but it will it will be easier to cater to all the different constitutional types and so on. And of course, you know, uh, limiting our meat intake and not really going off the deep end on that uh, will also have a knock-on effect of an environmental um, uh, impact as well. Okay, so yes, for some of you listening to this, the environmental impact is a huge front and center. I totally get it. Um, I don't want to get into that in this podcast. And of course, there's also the ethical issue, which, you know, really has, has put vegans and vegetarians... Um, at odds with uh, meat eaters for for decades all right so um i i think that about covers it from my side and uh, again i will be posting this up on facebook if you are not following me on facebook i'm gonna put a link below on this podcast uh, and I would encourage you to follow me and let's get the discussion going. All right, let's, let's get the debate going. Um, I find that the discussion is better had on a platform like Facebook, but I do answer comments um, in the, uh, on the website as well. 
Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, hopefully, um, I didn't confuse the heck out of you, and hopefully, you learned something. And um, as always, if you do, uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please do consider sharing, subscribing, leaving me a review. And uh, I would love your feedback on this. Right, such a murky, interesting topic, and I definitely don't have all the answers. All right, so thanks for listening, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon.